Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Before I get into today, I have a confession. I don't know if confession's quite the right word, but something to let you know about, okay? So it just felt like I had to bring it up, um, put it out in the open. Now, a couple of weeks ago was Father's Day and Pastor Ben was preaching a great message. If you couldn't make it, um, you know, go back and have a listen because it really was a great message. But you know how in the Bible, how if something is mentioned multiple times, it usually means that God is trying to prove a point, okay? And there's an emphasis on that. So it's mentioned multiple times. Well, this kind of happened the other week. So Pastor Ben was preaching his Father's Day message and um, partway through the message, my husband Zach goes, oh no. And in that moment, I realised Pastor Ben stole my message for today. He stole my scripture. Now, don't go anywhere. I promise it's actually not an identical message. But for those of you who were there on Father's Day, I'm going to challenge you to remember what the scripture was. I'm not going to tell you yet. You have to remember, I'm challenging you. But honestly, guys, I really do believe that while some people might say, oh, it's coincidence, I believe the Spirit is trying to speak to us. You know, when things are repeated, there's emphasis. Now, I don't remember the last time um, prior to Father's Day that I heard that scripture preached on in this church. Now, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember when it was because it wasn't that recent but yet it's come up within the same like three weeks of itself. <laughs> and so I really do believe that there is something in this for Bright Church. There is something in this that God wants us to get. There is something in this for us, for us to take hold of and for us to really live out as His people um, and the people of Bright Church. So I want to start by telling you a story. It's a true story and it's a story of love. Now, there is an incredible God that we believe in. You see, this God loves us so much that he actually wants to have relationship with us. But there was a problem. You see, I don't know if you've tried being perfect recently, but um, we're not very good at it. Humans just aren't capable, and the Bible acknowledges that as well. And so this God who wanted relationship with his people, who loved his people so much he wanted to have relationship with them, He couldn't have that relationship because you see sin, the power of sin is death. It separates us from God. So what God did is he sent his one and only son, Jesus, fully God, fully man. And he came and he lived that perfect life that we could not live. And despite the fact that he lived that perfect life, he had done nothing wrong in his entire life. He is the one that paid the penalty of sin by dying on the cross an incredibly painful shameful death he paid that price and he paid it for you and he paid it for me for all sins that had been all sins that in that moment all sins to come Jesus died for us so that our sins would be forgiven meaning that we could have a relationship with God what an incredible incredible God that we believe in you see this is the gospel message and it's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest story ever known. And it is the greatest act of love. In John um, 15, 13, it says, no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friend. That is the love that we have been shown. 
And you see often when, you know, when, when we preach, well, I can guarantee that if you bring a friend or if you come to a message here at Bright Church, particularly if one of the staff is preaching, you will hear the gospel because it is key and foundational to everything we are and everything we believe. It's so important. But usually, I mean, personally, I'll find a way to kind of put it somewhere where it flows, put it somewhere where it makes sense and can help the point. But today I needed to tell it to you straight up. I needed you to hear that message straight up, to be reminded of that love because for the message that I'm preaching today, it is so important that you have an understanding of how much God loves you, of how much Jesus loves you. To fully understand the weight of the message today, you need to understand the weight of your salvation, that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is so important that we get that. You see, this is a transformational kind of love. And when we experience this transformational love, it transforms our heart in that moment. And so we're going to head into, um, we're going to head into Romans 12, starting at verse 9. For those of you who are here at Father's Day, I wonder if you managed to remember. Um, but we're going to head into Romans 12, verse 9, and we're actually going to read all the way through to verse 21. Now, just before I begin reading that, I suppose just for a bit of context. Now, this is written uh, to the churches of Rome and by a man named Paul. We are about to read a scripture that is all about love. Spoiler alert, it's all about love. Okay, but we need to remember as we're reading this today, we're not reading this by, you know, we're not reading this scripture that was written by a man who was in a culture that fully embraced him. Okay, this is a man who was persecuted for his faith. This is a man who was preaching something that was countercultural to the environment he was in and he wasn't necessarily popular for it. In, in fact, eventually he ended up dying for his faith. Now, it's so important to remember that these are the words written by that man. I wonder if you can relate. I wonder if you can relate that sometimes what you believe in, sometimes what you stand for, sometimes what you preach is actually countercultural to the environment around you and that can be really hard. But I'm so encouraged knowing that these are the words of someone that has faced even greater persecution than I could imagine because he still, throughout all of his writing and throughout the New Testament, calls us to love, believing and knowing how important that is. So that is the context of which we, we read this scripture today. So Romans 12 verse 9, Let love be genuine. Abhor which is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to, what, to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. To the contrary, 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. See that first sentence there, let love be genuine. It is so important. You see that, that first sentence there sets up the rest of the scripture. Because without our love being genuine, we actually can't live out what the rest of the scripture tells us to do. You know, when we experience that transformational love of the cross, we then are able to have a transformed heart and that results in a transformed life. You know, I love what Zach said before about baptism, how we, are, how we are buried with Christ and we are raised again into this new life. We are transformed. We are able to be living from a new place and we are to live from a place of love. You see, this scripture is love made visible. It's love in action. You know, you might have been in church for a while and you might be sitting there right now and going, oh, another sermon on love. I've heard this cliche, it's love. I, I get it, okay? Please, I want to encourage you right now, don't tune out. Don't assume that you fully get it. Because I know, I mean, I'm currently preaching this message and I know that I don't fully understand the love of God. I know that I, I am still on a journey to understand the depth of his love for me. It's actually revolutionary thinking for many. The fact that God is love, that God loves us in this way, is revolutionary for many. And we may know it, but I wonder how that changes our actions. Like we might know it in our head, but does it show through our heart? The word that it uses here for love, let love be genuine, this love is this word agape. Now, if I was to, you know, use the English language to describe love, I would say I love my husband. I would say I love my friends and I would also say I love chocolate. Okay, I really, I really do. So I do love my husband, I do love my friends and I do love chocolate. Not as much dark, milk is better, but, but I do love chocolate. Now, we understand that love in each of these contexts actually means something a bit different. But in English language, we have just one word for love. In the Greek language, they had multiple words for love. And this word agape is really that um, highest form of love. It's a love that um, is used to describe the love between God and man. It's a divine kind of love. It's a love that chooses to love. It's a love that loves regardless of if they're going to do something back for you or not. It's a love that is an unconditional type of love. And this is the love that we are called to have as Christians. I actually love in this scripture, Paul is giving some really practical implications of God's saving mercy that he displayed on the, on the cross through Jesus. He is actually giving us a really practical example of what that transformed heart looks like. You might have grown up and um, somehow learnt that to feel love, you need to earn that love. Maybe, maybe you had a really hard time at school and maybe you were bullied or maybe your parent had another favourite child. Parents don't have favourites. But maybe for you, you felt like you had to work to earn the love and affection of your parents. Maybe for you, everywhere you went, you felt like what you were doing wasn't good enough. And so you had to try hard, harder to get that love. Or maybe, maybe you have issues with insecurity and there's something in you that to feel love 
actually you need to put down someone else. That if someone else isn't doing as well, that it helps you to feel affirmed, that it helps you to feel supported, you to feel loved. But, you know, the incredible thing about Jesus and the message of the gospel is that we don't have to fight for love because we just have it. We're free to love others freely because we don't need to find our affirmation from them. We find it from God, knowing that we are loved. And so this is a really practical example of what that looks like. You know, when we live through a transformed heart and a transformed life, it's not so much about us anymore, but it's about what the Holy Spirit can do through us, working through us. I think of some transformed people in the Bible that really stood out to me. You know, in, um, in Luke 19, we read about a man, Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, a couple of things to know about him. One, the Bible makes a point of telling us that he was short in stature. I find that a very funny way of saying he was short. He was short, guys. He was small in stature. And another thing about Zacchaeus is that he was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors weren't popular. Okay, tax collectors had a bad reputation. They were wealthy, but the way that they made their wealth was often by ripping off other people. And so they weren't very well loved in their, envir- in their environments, in, their, um, in, in the places that they lived. But Zacchaeus, this tax collector, this short tax collector, Jesus is walking through his town one day and he wants to see Jesus. Now, because he was short, he couldn't see Jesus from the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a tree. And Jesus, in his grace and his mercy, as he's walking through, he stops. And he says, Zacchaeus, I must spend the day at your your house today. And the rest of the people are going, what? This is a sinner. This is a guy who was a tax collector. Jesus, do you know who this is? Of course, Jesus knew who he was. But you know what's interesting after that moment Zacchaeus, he offers to repay people. Anyone that he has wronged, he offers to repay in abundance. Anyone who, you know, he he offers to give what he has to the poor. This is a transformed man. From tax collector to let me give everything away, this is a transformed man. In a moment, he encountered the love of Jesus and it transformed him. You know, I think when we're thinking of transformed people, we can't really go past Paul, the very guy that wrote this letter to the Romans. Paul was actually a Pharisee and he persecuted Christians. He was there when um, the disciple Stephen was, was stoned to death. He was all about persecuting the Christians. And he was on his way to continue doing that. It's the road to Damascus and, and Paul hears Jesus speak to him. He says, why are you persecuting me? Paul goes, Lord, who are you? It's like, it's, and Jesus responds, it's me. He reveals himself to him in that moment. And Paul, he becomes blind. Okay, And then a couple of days later, God sends a man to him, sharing the good, the good news with him. And Paul can see again, the scales fall from his eyes. But you know what's incredible about this is that in that moment where Paul could actually now see clearly in a physical sense, something had been awakened in his spirit. He actually spiritually was then able to see and he was transformed. He then is the one being persecuted for his faith. He's the one sharing the name of Jesus. That is a transformed man. And why? Because he encountered the love of Jesus. You know, after that moment, he would do anything 
for others because of the love of Christ that lived in him. Our love that we have as Christians, it's not to be given in a half-hearted sense. Like, yeah, when I've got time, when it suits me, I'll do it. That's not, how we're, that's not the type of love that we're called to have. We're actually called to love with a burning energy. With not a love that's like when I've got time, but a love that's like, can I find someone to love? You know, with a love that just can't wait. It can't help but love because it's just all that it can do. It's just got all the energy for it. And it burns to do that. That is the type of love that we are called to have because love looks like something. Your love should be so obvious that it gives you away. You know, I was talking to um, a friend um, a little while ago at a birthday party. So it was long enough, long, long ago enough that um, we were able to have multiple people and be at a restaurant. Um, so I'm thinking like 2019 maybe, right? So I was um, with this friend and, you know, I don't, I don't always get this right, but I was really encouraged in this moment. I'm pretty sure I just invited her and another friend to Easter. And um, from there, it led on to a convers- more of a conversation about my faith. Now, this particular friend I had been um, quite good friends with for a number of years by this point. And so it's not the first time that she had heard me talk about my faith. Oh, well, I hope not anyway. Um, but as I was talking to her, um, she said to me, she said, you know what? When I hear you speak about your faith, Every time I hear you speak about it, the word that comes up every time is the word love. She's like, for some reason, like whenever you're talking, you just always talk about love and you always do it with a smile. She's like, I can see how much it means to you because you're always talking about it in that way. And, you know, I was so encouraged, but I was also reminded, you never know what people are picking up. You know, that that actually wasn't intentional. I hadn't intentionally gone, you know, every time I talk to this girl, I'm going to talk about love. But she had seen the way that both my um, my other friend who was a Christian and I had conducted ourselves and talked about our faith. And, and she made a point of noting that actually it seems like they believe it's all about love. Now, this was actually quite different to her other experiences in church. She hadn't had a lot, but that was not her experience. And so... You know, you never know what people are picking up around you. You never know what people are noticing. And I hope that she saw that love through my actions and not just through my words. In John 13, 34 to 35, it says that Jesus says, you will know my disciples by the way that they love. John 13, uh, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, that word love that it uses there, it's the word agape. It's the same word, the same type of love that we are called to have. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, and this one won't come up for you, but again, it says, let all that you do be done in love. Again, that same word, agape, let all you do, it's pretty extensive, all you do, be done in love. Actually, um, if you turn to your Bible um, and have a look at Romans 12 and um, just above verse 9, the, the scripture that we just read before, you'll see this little heading. Now, I know that when the Bible was written and the scriptures were written, it didn't necessarily have chapters and the headings and all of that, but I actually really like the heading that's here. It says, marks of the true Christian. 
The reason I like this, this, um, this heading so much is because when I look at the word, the marks of a true Christian, marks, there, there's connotations associated with that. It makes me think of, you know, like people who have tattoos, right? And it, maybe they want it to express part of their personality. But it's obvious. You can see it. The mark is obvious. You know, maybe it's um, you've got a scar and that scar might tell a story. But regardless, if the scar is there, it's visible. You can see it. Marks are obvious. And as Christians, we are called to have a mark on us that shows who we are. And I believe that mark is a mark of love. As Christians, we are a little Christ. That's essentially what we're called to be. And as we understand more about who he is, who Jesus is, we understand more of who we are. As that happens, we become more like him and his love for us transforms us, causing our love to reflect how he loves. To reflect how he loves as a mark in our lives. You know, I really can't see how in knowing this, how being an undercover Christian can be a thing. Like if we're called, if it's called to be obvious, if our love is meant to give us away, then I don't believe that we can pull off being undercover Christians, nor should we try to. Your love should be so obvious that it gives you away. You know, I believe if we truly understood the weight of who we are through Jesus, then we would look different. If you fully understood the weight of who you are in Jesus, you would look different. And if I truly understood the weight of who I was in Jesus, I would look different too. In Hebrews 10, verse 12, it says this. I'll just find it. It says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Did you know that Jesus sits at the right hand of God? If you've read the New Testament, you've probably worked it out because it says it many, 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 many times. It's actually, it's actually mentioned in Scripture many, many times. And as I said before, when something's mentioned multiple times, it's usually because there's emphasis. There's something that the writer wants us to know. You know, it's actually so important that we get this. You know, you might be saying, thinking, why is that important? Why, why, how does that affect how I love? How does that affect who I am? Well, the fact that Jesus sits at the right hand, um, really this represents a place of honour. It's the highest place. It means that God and Jesus, they are equal in authority. We believe in one God in three parts, Father, Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that because Jesus sits on the right hand, it means that everything sits under his feet. Everything sits under his feet. Now, the Bible says that we sit with Jesus in the heavenly places. Everything is under Jesus' feet. You live with the authority of Jesus in your life, which means that circumstances do not rule you. Circumstances come under the feet of Jesus, which means that you do not have to be subject to your circumstances. You do not have to be ruled by your circumstances and a product of them. You are forgiven and Jesus is interceding for you. He is interceding for you. He loves you so much. You are free to love others. You know, I think it's really easy to make one of two mistakes when it comes to where we feel like we're seated. One of those mistakes 
is that we seat ourselves on the throne of our own life. We seat ourselves on the throne of our own life. We make ourselves king or queen of our lives. You know, you might feel that it's your right to make all the calls, to make all the calls about how you're going to live your life, what you're going to do with your life and the decisions that you make. You might feel like, you know what, maybe this would be good to, um, you know, spend some more time with God and to spend time praying and, and to, to read my Bible, but I'm just a bit busy at the moment and it's just not the right time. It's actually not the right time for me. I'll, I'll get around to that next year. You know, it's almost the end of the year. So I'm just going to start with a New Year's resolution. I'm going to wait till I can get a new journal. And when I do that, it'll be good, right? I, I make the calls. This is how I'm living my life. Maybe you feel like you have to control everything and, and trust is really difficult for you. Trust is difficult for all of us at times, but it's in surrender that we find that place of peace and hope with Jesus. You know, if... If you are trying to do things in your own strength, if prayer is your last resort, I would suggest there is a chance you have made yourself, you have put yourself on the throne of your own life. And we don't belong on the throne. Our place isn't on the throne. It's at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, relying on him and his strength. The second mistake that we can make is instead of putting ourselves on the throne, we seat ourselves on the bench. And, you know, when, when a player is on the bench in a game, it's usually because they're either out of action, they are the not the preferred player, or they're taking a break. But for you, maybe, maybe you've been burnt by the church. Maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe you've seen something and you've interpreted that as hypocrisy. Maybe for you, you've looked and, and something hasn't quite measured up. Maybe you were hurt by a leader. And you know what? I am so sorry if that was your experience. But remember that the church is God's people and people are not perfect. And so I'm so sorry if that is your experience, but I want to encourage you to let God's healing love come through you. But the reason I say this is maybe you've counted yourself out of action. Or maybe, maybe you feel unqualified. You feel unqualified for what God has asked you to do. And because of that, you feel like you're not the preferred player. So you don't think that it's going to make a difference if you seat yourself on the bench or if you don't. And then the final thing, taking a break. Maybe you're tired. Are you tired? And you think, you know what? I'm just going to take a moment to sit myself out. I'm just going to take a moment to not worry about that and just get my life together for a moment. I'm just going to take a break. You know, our place is not on the bench. It's at the feet of Jesus, learning from him and drawing on his strength. Both of these mistakes have something in common. <laughs> Both of these things come from a place of living for ourselves and living out of our own strength. But that is not what we're called to do. You see, when we come from this place of self feeling like we can control it and make the shots, it's actually pride. It's pride, living for ourselves. If you live for yourself, you will struggle to love others well. Now, please don't hear me saying not to care about yourself. That's not what I'm saying. It's important to care about yourself. It's important to look after yourself. That It's actually really important to do that. But I love how C.S. Lewis put humility. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I'm not saying not to care about yourself. I'm just saying that as we actually 
think about ourselves less, we start to have room to love others more. You know, when we live from the understanding of how God loves us, we will show that love to others. In other words, if, when, you know, when you know his love, you can't help but show his love. You can't help it. I love that second song we were singing earlier. It's like, I can't help but dance. I can't, I can't help but sing. And I love that because we can't help but show his love when we have that burning fire inside us. Being seated with Jesus means not coming from a place of striving, but coming from a place of belonging. When we're united with Jesus, we actually begin to imitate him more. When we're united with Jesus, we're able to imitate who he is, not out of a place of obligation, not out of a place of striving in our own effort, but because of the great love that he shows to us, because of our gratefulness of his goodness, we are able to imitate him and be his hands and feet in this world. You know, you might be feeling tired and, you know, as I said at the, at the start of my message, look for, look for God. As I said, with hope, you know, ask God, give him the opportunity to actually come and fill you because Christianity, being little Christ, it's a lifestyle. It's not something you turn the on and off switch on. It's not something you take a break from. It's a lifestyle. But I want to encourage you, there is good news. The energy does not come from you. The energy and the strength comes from God. There's this um, game that I played at school and I could not for the life of me remember what it was called. But it was quite a brutal game. Um, but I think the idea of it was to give us greater exposure into what life could be like in other parts of the world, particularly in third world countries. And so it would tell you um, where you were born and then it would, following from that, give you kind of a set of circumstances that would come up and you would choose how you responded. So, for example, it might say, um, you, are, you have been born in Ethiopia, your parents are farmers. And you go, okay. And then it might come up with, there has been a drought in your nation and your parents can't get any food. They have, um, you know, they have changed profession to gardeners. I don't know if that's even a thing that you can do in Ethiopia, but to gardeners, okay? And then it says you can help them in the field or play with your toys and then you choose what you do. And then it says you've got into school. Your parents still need help on the farm, but they want you to go. You stay and help on the farm or you go to school. And so the circumstances that came your way, you couldn't control but you could always control your response. Now, some of the circumstances that came were terrible. And I remember often you would all of a sudden die of an illness that couldn't be cured. And it was quite a dramatic game. But who knows that in life, some of our circumstances can be dramatic. Things can come from left field, a diagnosis, something happening to a family member or a friend. Things can come all of a sudden into our lives and change things. You see, we can't control the circumstances in our life, but we can control our response. You can always control your response. You always have a choice. As we make the choice to press in to Jesus, we actually grow in our maturity as a Christian. You see, when circumstances come, I want to encourage you, make prayer your first choice. Make going to the Bible your first choice. In fact, before the circumstances come, why don't you do those things so that when the circumstances hit, you're already in the routine and you've already been feeling not close to Jesus. 
You see, as we make choices to engage in what we call spiritual disciplines, praying, reading our Bibles, um, serving, all these things, we actually increase in our spiritual maturity. And as we do that, we're able to love people more. You know, as a church, we've really been um, pressing into this idea of spiritual maturity this year, believing and knowing that it is so important that as Bright Church, that we are all individually growing in our spiritual maturity. And if you were there at Heart, at Heart and Soul on um, Wednesday night, you would have heard us talk a bit more about this. But um, if you're part of Bright Church, you would have got a survey um, this week. I'd encourage you, fill it out. Because as a church, we are so invested into investing into your spiritual growth and maturity. We want to see you succeed and grow in your relationship with Jesus because we know that when circumstances come, we're going to need that solid foundation. And we know that if we are going to love our community, if we are going to do the things that we want to do as Christians, if we are going to love the world as Paul, as Paul talks about in, in this scripture, then we are going to need that solid foundation of our spiritual, of spiritual maturity so that we can love each other as well. Your choices have an impact. What impact will your choices have? Whether you choose to pray, whether you choose to make a habit of reading your Bible, those things will have an impact. So what impact will your choices have? You can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose your response. You know, I think a good example of this is that right now it can feel really um, hard to love others well. You know, a lot of people aren't finding that, um, you know, they feel like they're in the best place. And sometimes it can be hard to love people from that place when we feel dry ourselves. Or we're not able to see people and, and, and to love them in the way that we usually do. I know for me, usually I'm in at the office with a whole lot of my friends, but I'm working from home at the moment. So the things that I would usually do to invite them to church or the things that I would usually do to love them actually are really a lot harder right now in some ways. But you know what? when people aren't in the best place, there's no better time to love them. People need love right now more than really ever before. And this love, this agape love, it's the kind of love that finds a way. I want to encourage us, church, find a way to love people around you well in this season. We don't take a break, we find a way. You know, I love in this, um, in this scripture, um, in Romans 12, if you, one um, commentary that I was reading suggested that perhaps the first part of it is actually more about loving the church, love in the church. And then the second part is about loving the world. And I actually really like this because it's so important that we love both the church and the world, the church being God's people. You know, it can be really easy to fall into the trap of just being all about church all about the people in your life that you know from church. You know, you, you may find that you're, you no longer have any circles of people that actually don't know Jesus. You're just all about everything to do with, you know, being at everything, being everywhere, serving all the time. Now, please serve, be here, do those things, it's important, but make sure that you're loving the world as well. You know, I think it can be equally easy to just love the world and forget to love the church. Because when you're loving just the world, maybe that looks like, you know, may, maybe you have a real heart for missions. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. 
But remember that we, can ha- we must have a heart as a church for outreach. We must have a, a heart for outreach in our community. But that doesn't mean that we stop loving the church and going to church and being part of the church in fellowship with people that um, love Jesus and love us as well. It's so important that we love both the church and that we love the world. You know, um, when I first heard about COVID, um, I remember I was sitting in my car and um, there was, uh, the radio was on, it hadn't reached Australia yet and I heard this word coronavirus and I thought, that's a funny name. Not thinking much of the fact that it, I didn't realise it was about to significantly impact all of us for the following years. But you know what, the thing about, about coronavirus is it became big really, really quickly. And I actually find it kind of fascinating, not to make light of COVID, but I find it fascinating that one person had coronavirus in China and then it spread so quickly. It spread now to being a major issue across every country in the world. It's incredible to me that it started with one person but yet it has made its way across the world. We are so connected as, as, a, as, as a world. We are so connected. And, you know, it got me thinking, coronavirus, it did this because it was so contagious. But it kind of got me thinking, imagine if that was the gospel. Imagine if that person had have shared the gospel and then, you know, four or so people caught it. And then those four people spread it with other people and then you know think about the clusters imagine if they were saying oh a cluster of 72 people related to the Tristan Forest gospel gospel movement uh and increasing you know imagine if the if this idea if we were contagious with our Christianity imagine if we were contagious with the gospel choose to be contagious in a good way imagine if the good news caught on like COVID has I'm not trying to make light of COVID, but just to highlight, highlight the impact of being contagious through our love that we have as Christians. We are called to be contagious Christians. When we make a choice to live for others like Christ did, our love becomes contagious. Please, when you catch the love of God, when you catch it, don't keep it to yourself. It's not something to be kept to yourself, but something to be shared. Jesus gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. The, the disciples, that, you know, you read through Acts, they would give anything to see the church grow. It is a contagious type of love, contagious Christianity. It's not about doing it through your own strength, but letting God's love work through you. We have to be in tune with God, growing in spiritual maturity so that we know his voice, so that, we, so that we know his love, so that we are standing on a solid foundation. But remember, you are graced for this and we live from that place of grace. Let your marks show, let your love be obvious. So I suppose practically, what does that love look like? Well, I think Roman 12, 12 is pretty, pretty practical, actually. It's pretty practical. It actually kind of is a list of to-dos in terms of love. So I'm going to read it again to you right now. We need to, very practically speaking, let our love be genuine. We need to hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. We need to love one another with brotherly affection. We need to outdo one another in showing honour. We need to not be slothful in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit. We need to serve the Lord. We need to rejoice in hope. We need to be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. 
We need to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We should bless those who persecute us. Bless them, not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Have empathy. Guys, when someone is weeping, weep with them. When they're rejoicing, rejoice with them. Have empathy. See people. Take the time to be with people. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Don't think of yourself as more than you are. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight and repay no one evil for evil, but we should give thought to do what is honourable inside of all and we should live peaceably where we can, remembering that it is God's job to avenge. It is our job just to love. So make sure that we put our love into action. You know, when you know his love, you can't help but show his love. So I want to take a moment right now to pray for people. I want to pray that you would today gain a greater depth of understanding for God's love for you. Because you might have heard it, you know, said before, but if this is right, if our relationship with God is right, then we can't help but do this well. If, if, we, if our relationship with God is right, we will love others well. So I want to pray right now that you would gain that greater depth of understanding of Christ's love for you so that you would then be able to go out and love the world and draw from his strength. And I'm also going to pray for us today that we would find creative ways to love in this season as well, that God would be speaking to us. So Jesus, I thank you that you love us. And I pray that we would gain a deeper sense of your love for us in this moment. Jesus, we, we may know in our, in our head that you love us, but I pray that we would feel it so deeply in our hearts. I pray that you would come and meet people where they're at right now and that your love would just flow through them, that your love would come and transform, transform our hearts and that from today moving forward, that we would just find this new capacity to love, to love those around us. Jesus, I pray that even in this season that you would just help give us creative ways to love those around us, to love our neighbours. I pray for grace in relationships with those who are within our, you know, our five, 10 kilometre radius, that we would just have this burning energy to be able to love people in our community. And God, I pray as a church, I pray that we would grow in our spiritual maturity, that we would lean on you, rely on you. And as we do that, as we are transformed that we would be able to love our community so well around us. God, you are a good God. We believe that. We declare that through every season. And we pray again, continue to teach us each day more of your love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.